Never underestimate your dreams. They may become a trilogy. It's time for the Earthling Spotlight, where we recognize an independent poet or novelist. This person not only excels in their field, but also moves the industry forward. York, who's it going to be this time? On the show today, we have one of my favorite authors, Danielle Novotny. She's the author of Remade, Renown, and her third upcoming book in the Remade series. If you haven't picked up your copy of her book, please do so. You could always pause this episode right now and go to Amazon Kindle and pick up your copy. Here's a little blurb of her book, but first of all, I need to set the tone. So, can I have some sci-fi music, please? Yeah, some sci-fi. All right, okay, that sounds better. For her whole life, Aaliyah Rathborn thought life only existed on Earth. But after nearly dying in a car crash, Aaliyah wakes up on Callius, a planet that she never knew existed. In order to save her life, the doctor had to reconstruct Aaliyah with materials that were strange and advanced to her, and Aaliyah finds out that she now has strength and speed beyond her wildest imagination. Determined to hide her new abilities, Aaliyah tries to fly under the radar when she's sent to the protective forces, the galaxy's military. As Aaliyah struggles to accept herself after these incredible yet unwanted changes, a sinister force emerges to threaten the galaxy's peace. When lives are on the line, will Aaliyah face her inner demons, or will the rising darkness win? Ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, put on your headgear, and here's the interview with Danielle Novotny. Thank you so very much, Danielle, for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure speaking to you. As I said from the intro, you are one of my favorite writers. I definitely enjoy your books. Oh, that means a lot to me, considering these are my first ever books. <laughs> when it comes to a first-time author, the books tend to be a little bit clunky and a little bit disorganized. But when I read your book, it was very clear. It's very cohesive. You started your career in 2016 with your first novel, Remade. Let's go, if you will, back in time. And if you could walk me through how you came up with the idea. I never dreamed of becoming an author. I loved reading. I loved understanding different stories, different genres. 
but I never saw myself actually sitting down and writing books. In 2016, when I first got the idea for Remade, it was really just a surprise. I had a super vivid dream one night. I saw this girl with superpowers fighting aliens, but she didn't understand herself or the world that she was in. And when I woke up that morning, I told myself, I have to sit down and write this out. I need to understand like what I just dreamed of. And the more I wrote, the more I was able to connect the pieces that I saw in my dream with a bigger story. And thus the remade series was born. Oh, that's interesting. That reminds me of James Cameron, the creator of Terminator. How that came about was similar. He had a dream and he dreamed of a robot crawling in the desert. And he woke up and he just started writing the story. I've met a bunch of other authors who had similar starts, which I found funny because I thought I was crazy unique for turning a dream into a book. But the more I've connected with other authors in the community, I found out that a lot of them have similar starts, either with one piece of a book or just a character that they've put into a book. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I wish I had that superpower. I, I dream a lot, but I don't have a dream that could be put into a story, at least not yet. You'll have one eventually. <laughs> oh, yeah, I hope so. Writing one book is difficult, but you're writing a trilogy. How do you organize a trilogy? Slowly. <laughs> when I first put together the idea for Remade, it literally was a single sheet of paper front and back where I had my outline. And the more I thought about it and started writing those initial chapters for book one, I realized that I wasn't going to fit every idea that I had into that single book. Otherwise, it would be a couple thousand pages and who wants to lug around a giant brick of a book? But I knew I needed to build it out a bit more. That way I could give more exposure to the characters, more reasoning behind everything that my main character was doing, the villains were doing. I knew I needed distinct points instead of one long book with a lot of action. I wrote a science fiction book, and it felt like three books in one, probably even more. There's way too many characters, and it's way too long. And then I said, I just need to break this thing down and make it into different stories. And I'm glad that you did because, yeah, it would just be one really long book that no one would want to read because it's just it's just too much. Exactly. No one wants to run on. <laughs> with your story, I was hooked right away with the main character. It's a very compelling story. What makes a compelling story? A compelling story comes about when you can really connect with some struggle or some purpose that the main character has. For Alia, my main character in Remade and Renown, I knew that I wanted her to really have this journey of self-acceptance because who doesn't struggle with personal identity and overcoming challenges in social situations with other people, jobs, everything like that. So I just took that thought that Alia has to accept herself, accept her situation, and put it into a science fiction world. So I I figure that a lot of people have connected with that because 
I do keep everyone in her head a lot. You get to hear voices inside your head. They can hear her thoughts. They can hear her fighting to, oh, I need to break out of this box or, oh, I need to keep it to myself. And that makes the struggle really personal. That's what I like about it. When I'm reading it, it feels like I'm right in her head. It's a really good idea that you did that in first person because we feel everything that she's going through. When a writer is thinking about a book, they always have to think, well, is this going to be a first person narrative, a third person? For this story, you picked it in a good way because everything that she's experiencing, her love interest as well in the books, the battles, how she's feeling emotionally, we're there with her every step of the way. In all of the genres, why science fiction? It goes back to that dream I had. I knew I couldn't put aliens into a fantasy world, and I needed a semi-realistic way to explain the physical augmentations and changes she goes through by gaining super speed and super strength. And I didn't want to just boil it down to magic without having like a better system behind it. So I thought that she has a car crash. And obviously, futuristic technology can heal her in ways that she doesn't understand coming from Earth. So it made sense to take that science fiction spin and run with it. Yeah, you definitely ran with it, and it works. I was watching a show on on Apple TV. You probably heard of The Foundation, science fiction story. Yeah, it's based on the book. Emperor's peace. It is the promise of the Imperium was the promise of Cleon first, and each Cleon after him. Have you seen it? I have not yet, but I see it every time I log into Netflix, so it's teasing me. <laughs> I was comparing that story with your, with your book. Now, the foundation is based on a novel. I was watching the first episode. I was so hyped for this. I knew it was coming out. So excited. So I turned on Apple TV. The first episode is beautiful. The characters, the way that everything is drawn. For tomorrow, or any tomorrow after. The scenery, the clothing, the special effects, everything just looks so spot on. But I got lost in the story because it just went into so much detail about this future world and technology and planets it just lost me pain will be felt by all for generations it will scar them forever but they will survive then i thought about your book and what a difference your book is compared to the foundation because on the opening pages of remade you had me i felt everything I didn't feel that I had to look through a whole bunch of the sources and encyclopedias and dictionaries and everything like that to get my footing into the world that you made. But this other world, it just loses the viewer, at least when I watched it. I probably will watch episode two. But that's a big compliment to you that you could have a world as your world is. Your world is so far reaching, so glorious and beautiful. But you bring all of those details to a human level. What's your secret? I think a lot of reading growing up would probably be my first secret. I have 
always read books. I was the kid who asked my parents for books every single Christmas and birthday. Books, books, books. To the point where they told me I needed to get my own library once I finally got a house later in life. Oh, wow. So I've read all sorts of genres. Everything from science fiction to fantasy to romance. You know you want to kiss me, baby. I've read historical fiction. And I know the books that I enjoy the most, aside from having a really good connection to the characters, also have enough of an immersive world that you don't need to think about where you are or flip back pages to make sure that you're still in the same setting. You want those details to be crisp and clear. Clear. Crisp and memorable for the reader. And I know that science fiction is that scary genre a lot of people are turned off from because they're worried about hearing how a rocket gets made or... The rocket consists of two tanks. One is oxidizer tank and another one is fuel tank. The fuel and oxidizer are separately stored in these two tanks. They are in the form of liquid. The combination of the fuel and oxidizer. Too much detail and technology so I took a step back from that, almost to the point where my book is a little less science fiction and a little more space opera, a subgenre. Because it focuses on those interpersonal connections more so than the technological advancements, the big world building, everything like that. You said that just right, and that's what throws a lot of people off of science fiction all the technicality, it becomes so cold, it becomes emotionless, it loses the romance, the poetry, the harmony of everything. And that's what I felt like, at least for the first episode of The Foundation. Mostly men are into science fiction, and I could see why, because of all the technicality and everything like that. The way that you write your story, I mean, you pull everyone into it. Oh, thank you. Because there's romance, there's feelings attached to it. The book is so good that you take a very simple character and you make her into a hero. You literally remade her. <laughs> yep. What was your idea of making a character like her? I really wanted her to be thrown into all of this and completely lose her footing. She starts off that first chapter in Earth everything that we know about. She's driving to work one morning and she gets into a car crash. And the next thing she knows, she wakes up on a totally different planet. So I wanted her to explore everything and discover things as we are as the reader, just so that we're all in it together. She learns that they have a king, despite Earth kind of having this primitive tag to it the giant universe that Alia finds herself in still has a king, still has crazy parties, things like that. I wanted it to be relatable enough that it wasn't too unfamiliar. And another thing I really wanted to keep a close watch on was making sure that my main character didn't fall into the chosen one stereotype. You were the chosen one! It was said that you would destroy this and not join them! Because I've heard time and time again, Bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness. it's too predictable, the character's too boring, they start off from the first page as the hero, they know they're the hero, and everything else falls in place for them. And I wanted to avoid that a lot, because it had been something I read so many times. 
So that's why I do keep Alia in this state where she's constantly learning, constantly fighting against herself, despite the fact that she has the strength, the speed, the senses to be the best warrior in the galaxy. She just doesn't want to step into that role almost until she's forced into it. There is a lot of those books, The Chosen One Ideas, which I absolutely enjoy. But I'm glad you didn't do that. No one in the book is saying to her, your destiny is written in the stars. You were chosen out of your race to bring harmony and balance to the universe. You didn't do those tropes, again, which I enjoy. You made it different. You made this girl that we don't really think much about her, and she doesn't really think much about herself in terms of this galactic warrior princess that's going to bring forth peace. While you were working on this book, was there any time that you said to yourself, what am I doing this for? I should just stop this. This is just ridiculous. It's not going to work. I had that quite a bit right before I finished editing Remade. I had wrapped it all up. I was proud of the story. I knew what I was going to start writing next. But then this fear took up in my heart that I'm nobody. No one knows my name. And here I am releasing a book into the world where you have all these crazy famous authors who have published multiple books, hit the New York Times bestseller list. They make so much money. And I was just like, is this worth it? Am I going to make enough of a splash that my books will be interesting to people that I've never met before outside of friends and family who were wonderful supports? I just wasn't sure that the effort I'd put in would make enough of a difference once it got out. It's made a difference in my life reading your works. And that's the thing about being an author, a writer. We don't know the impact that our book, that our content is going to make. I know that when I write my stories for the show and write stories online as well, I go through that. I feel that, well, what am I doing? This seems like a waste of time. Who's going to read little old me from Ottawa, Canada, in the suburbs of Ottawa? And I'm a nobody compared to everyone else. When you put yourself out there, and when somebody says, I read your story online, or I listened to an episode of your podcast, even if it's just one soul, one earthling, as I like to call it, it makes the world of difference. It's the best feeling. It is. Sometimes we don't realize the impact that we have on people's lives. One sentence, one sentence in a book may help somebody to see the world in a different way. That's what it felt like when I was reading your book. When I was reading it, I stopped it, put it down for a while, picked it back up, and it just, it helped me to see things differently. So happy. (laughs) You touch people's lives without even knowing it. And I'm glad that you didn't listen to those negative voices, because if you did, you would have just stopped at book one or not even. You probably wouldn't, wouldn't have finished book one. Probably, yeah. How did you feel when you finished writing the first book? I was really proud. No one else in my family is an author. Tons of readers. But in terms of writing fiction, I was really the first one in my whole family to do so. And it was just a 
a crazy moment that all those hours I spent typing on my computer, having those digital pages, it came together when I got my first copies of the book because I ordered the hardcover and paperback to make sure that they looked good. And it just hit me. I cried as I opened the box because I was so crazy happy. The books came out perfect. The cover that I had designed looked exactly the way I imagined it in my head. And it was so overwhelming to know that I had made this. Those digital files turned into a physical object, and it was mine. It seems real, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, when we have the story in our minds and on the computer, it's not the same when we actually finish it and it's out there. It's out there for people to read, for people to consume, and make the characters in our minds our best friends, our readers' best friends as well. Exactly. I know that for myself and probably for you as well, that when you're writing your characters, they don't just seem two-dimensional or one-dimensional characters on paper. You get a sense of who they are. You feel that you belong to them, they belong to you. It's a strange, almost mystical feeling when it comes to creating character and when it comes to even creating a world that you created. Yep, that's very true. Speaking about the, the cover of your book, I really enjoy the cover. It matches the book so well. Have you always been that creative when it comes to design? That was my first real foray into digital designing. Growing up, I loved anything crafting. I made the string friendship bracelets. I loved to paint or draw. But when it came to making the cover for Remade, that was the first time I'd really put my skills to the test and made something digitally. Checking designs. Humorously, I'll admit that I designed the cover on Microsoft Word instead of Photoshop or any fancy program. It was me putting boxes and shapes and pictures together in a Microsoft Word document and eventually it became a cover. Oh, really? It's, it's so good. It, it looks professionally done. A lot of independent writers, when, they were, when they're putting together their cover, you could tell that this is done low budget. Nothing about your book looks low budget to me. Everything is on a high caliber, a different level. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Even the blurb of your book is outstanding. It's always difficult. I find the most difficult thing to do is to write the blurb. You don't want to give too little or too much away. What was the most difficult part for you writing the entire book, the whole process? The most difficult part was making sure that I gave each big moment enough weight. Enough weight. Weight. My process for writing book one was a little unorthodox compared to how I've written books two and the third one, which I'm still working on, because I had a plan in mind, but I tended to write whatever chapter spoke to me at that moment. So at times I found myself writing out of order, and when I went back to read that final first draft, things didn't flow as smoothly or I didn't have enough emphasis in the chapter preceding a big moment. So I was very fortunate that one of my early readers was my sister who loved to read just as much as I do. Keep reading. 
I sent it to her and she came back and suggested a couple of things that helped me build out some chapters that had a lot more weight to them. Wait, training facility moment where Alia meets with Caspian right before they go to planet Chara. She wanted me to build that out a bit more and it turned into a really nice moment between those two characters that I previously didn't have planned. So it was focusing again, making sure the whole story was cohesive after being a little more disjointed in the drafting process. I like what you said about adding weight to every scene. You do that in your book. Every scene is not just a scene where you could have told the story without adding that scene, but every scene matters. It counts. It feels fleshed out. And there are stakes in the game as well. That's very important as a writer, having stakes. And some of them in your book are not very huge. Some are, but then there's minor things as well. How is she going to speak to that person? Is she in love? Is she falling in love? Was it important for you to also put romance into the story? Did that come natural? It came naturally. I knew that she, I wanted her to have a connection to someone else. And the more I thought about how I was developing the romantic interest, I knew that I wanted their connection to be a little bit more than love at first sight. He ends up being a supporter of hers, and that forges a bond that's a lot better than just time together turning into something romantic. When the romantic elements of any fantasy, science fiction, or adventure story happens, sometimes, if we're not careful, it could slow down the action. Slow down the action. Yours doesn't. Yours keeps the action in place. It moves the story forward. It's not sappy. It's not over-romanticized. I love you. But some stories are like that. When I watch a movie on TV or a Netflix show, if it's an action-adventure, things are happening, things are moving fast-paced, all of a sudden, the character falls in love. Uh Uh-oh. It slows down the action to a crawl. And I can't stand stories like that. And I'm so glad that when I, when I read your story, the romantic notes, parts of it, builds. It means something. You even feel more in love with, with your main character. You want her to be loved. You want her to gain the attention of this particular person. So that's good. That's, that's very good. Well, thank you. I know that you're also an editor for independent authors. What are the most common mistakes that writers make? I think the first most common mistake that I've noticed in the couple editing jobs I've done is redundancy. Every time a character revisits a certain place or reconnects with a friend from a previous chapter, we as the reader don't need to see the whole backstory of, oh, this friend is someone they've known for years, and here's the full description of what they look like again. We've already met them, that's established, so I've found ways to encourage these other authors I've worked with to tie in smaller details 
that remind us of those previous exposés. So saying that the character tosses his brown hair, right, that reminds us he was described as having brown hair or this place that has familiarity. We just want to remind the reader subtly without having information dump every time we come to a place or to a connection with another character. I don't like reading a story or watching a movie or TV show where it's so much unnecessary background information. Why do we need all of this again? It's, as your point is very clear, it's redundant. And if we could just catch ourselves as writers and say, do I need to mention these earrings on this character? Do I really need the background history of where she got the earrings from? Even those things too, right? It could just be just just a waste of time, just to fill up pages. Exactly. Rather than just streamlining the story. And you do a good job with that. You do a good job with your books, streamlining things that the readers need to pay attention to. And the things that are just not necessary, you kind of throw in the background, but you don't bring it to the forefront. There's always a balance of strike, too. You don't want to be too dry in your character descriptions and have people not understand what they look like or not understand what their purpose is just because whenever they show up in a scene, they're filling a role. You don't want someone to walk into a room and just describe it as a room because it could be a kitchen. It could be a storage room. We need a balance of details that doesn't overwhelm the reader and make them kind of zone out when they hit that page, but enough to keep them present and focused on what's going on where the character is. When it comes to even the characters and how they physically look like, as a writer, I always pause for a moment and say, if I describe them exactly the way that I think of them, would that take away from the enjoyment in my readers' minds or my listeners' minds? It is a balancing act. I try, and you probably do as well, not to explain every detail about their physicality, the way that their nose is shaped, the way that their eyebrows are shaped. She's got long, blonde, straight hair and blue eyes. The color of their eyes, whatever it is, those little things. How did you get the idea of the different alien races that you create in your book? I wanted a little bit of everything. I knew that I didn't want this greater universe to just be filled with people who look like earthlings like you and me. Excuse me? I needed some variety in skin tones, in heights, in the features that these people have. Again, taking from a little bit from fantasy books, a little bit from science fiction books. We have everything from claws and wings to silvery skin and fantastic features that you really wouldn't imagine. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. But I wanted that diversity to also denote where these characters come from because different races on different planets will be similar. The alien looking characters, your main character wasn't perplexed too much about it. It wasn't the main focus. She just seen it as, okay, well, I'm on another planet and these are other 
alien beings that I'm going to try to get to know and get to like. It wasn't on the nose. You didn't focus on that. Yeah, I wanted her to be so thrown off that if a character came up to her and had four arms, she just accepted it because this is a strange universe anyway. What is the message that you want your books to imprint on your readers' minds and hearts? I think each book in this trilogy has a slightly different message. So for Remade, my focus there was self-acceptance and learning who you are. Because Alia goes through this change and comes out of it thinking that she's a monster trapped inside a body that's exactly the same as what she had on Earth. But she eventually comes to terms with her changes and stuff like that. What I wanted readers to kind of internalize is that it's okay if you're different. It's okay if you start to change from year to year, preferences, your clothing preferences too, anything like that. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be you. And then in Renown, the sequel, I take a step back from that personal journey and focus on where my main character's place is in the universe. So she has a lot of traveling, a lot of connections with other characters. And again, once we've accepted who we are as people, we can then find a place in society among other people that we fit into. And I really wanted that big overarching journey to come out for readers. If you could let us know about book three, I know that you're still in the process of making it. Without giving any spoilers away, where are you going to be taking the story? I'm looking to turn it into a little bit of a coming to terms with chaos story, but also a bit of revenge in order to make things right. Because book two ends on a bit of a cataclysmic event. And I take book three to explore a couple different perspectives in the aftermath and then turn it into, well, how do we make things better? How do we get the outcome we really want after things have absolutely been destroyed? Wow, that sounds really good. How far are you in the process of book three? I am a little over two thirds done writing it. My initial goal was for a bit of a fall release, but life happens. The writing has slowed down a little bit, partially because I think I'm nervous to finish writing this third book, and partially because I have been busy in my life outside of being an author. I'm not ashamed to admit that I'll be pushing my deadline back just to make sure that I wrap the story up in the way that gives everyone the closure that they want from the characters and for the universe as a whole. What makes you so nervous about writing this book? I think it's partially because I know it's the end of the series. I've never wrapped something up so, so with such finality before. And I want to make sure that the ending I give is plausible enough that readers don't think, oh, she just hit the sci-fi button and wrapped it up with some crazy scientific solution. But I want it to make sense. And then a little bit of a personal thing after that is 
me trying to figure out what my next step is after I finish wrapping up this series. Because I've toyed with the idea of a prequel a little bit, but I also have two other ideas for stories that I'd like to write unrelated to this Remade trilogy, but I'm not quite sure which direction I want to go in just yet. Are you going to be staying in science fiction? No, I'm branching out. One idea is a post-apocalyptic story. The other one is fantasy. Where do you get your overall inspirations from? Some of it is from other stories that I've read. We all know that people write their own fiction based on character that they like that didn't get the ending that they'd hoped for in a book, so they'll make a spin-off of their own. But some of it is I want to take characters or stories that I haven't seen as much and give them a little bit of life. As a teaser, the post-apocalyptic story I have is a bit of a combination of the video game Fallout and the Phantom of the Opera book. Because I haven't seen too many retellings of the Phantom of the Opera, and it's one of my favorite stories. But I wanted to put it in a little different setting than historical Paris or in a theater again. So I'm taking that a different direction. When you're not writing your stories, what do you like to do with your time? I read, I play video games, I watch movies and TV shows, I have a group of friends that I hang out with, kind of just rotating through all of that so it's not too much of one or not enough of another. I look forward to your books. I will definitely make mention of book three when it does come out. I just want to thank you so very much for everything that you do. You're truly a gift to regular earthlings that enjoys to hear a good story, to escape from this world, and to be attached with characters that they could believe in. So thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure meeting you and so many other people who are either just foraying into writing or have established themselves a bit more because the friendships you make and the things that you just learn from each other, it really is amazing what uh, Earthlings can do. So it's an honor. That's great. Well, thank you very much, Danielle, for being on the Earthling Spotlight. You are a fabulous Earthling. Thank you. So are you. You take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Earthling Spotlight with our special guest, Danielle Novotny. Her remade series is available on daniellenovotny.com. Novotny is spelled N-O-V-O-T-N-Y. All the details, including the links to her books, are in the show description on your device or on the website at poeticearthlings.com. This is Shantae from ctamarketing.biz. See you next time on Poetic Earthlings.